You're listening to the Comics Podcasting Panel from the San Diego Comic-Con, recorded on July 23rd, 2006. Brought to you by iFanboy.com. Okay, this is the uh, uh, the, uh, panel on podcasting, as you probably know. Uh, My name's Pete Claymore, and I'm a comic book writer, and I guess I was asked to moderate this because I've appeared on a few of the podcasting shows. Um, I, I've written a couple books for Image Comics, uh, Hawaiian Dick and Battle Him, and uh, I'm doing right now. Thank you for that genuine applause. And I've, uh, I'm doing a book right now at Oni Press called The Leading Man, so my only plug for me is come by the booth later, I'll be signing it Oni. Um, but in general, this panel is about podcasting, and I'm sure most of you uh, have a pretty clear understanding of what that is, so I'm not going to go into kind of a long-winded introduction. But... Um, what I'm kind of going to do here, since we've got so many people on the panel, is um, uh, and more people heading to the panel. Um, <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. So sorry, everyone. We just started. Um, what I want to do here to begin with is. Um, just want to let everybody kind of introduce themselves and uh, give a brief description of the show that they do, what format it is, and uh, sort of how people can access the show and, and where it's available. And so we can start right here with our later arrival. Oh, great. Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, I'm Josh from iFanboy.com, um, and we as a site have been around for about five years, and then in November we started doing a podcast based on our pick of the week, because every, every week we um, read our books, and then one of us will write or do the best pick. So the format of the show is every week we do the uh, best, best book and talk about some of the other stuff, and do uh, comics, cultures, questions, stuff like that, recommendations, things like that. Uh, All right, <laughs> I'm Brian Deemer from Comic Geek Speak, which is comicgeekspeak.com, and uh, we've been around since March of last year. We have uh, about 200 episodes in the can, and we're just an ensemble cast of six or seven guys. We get together and we talk about comics. It's real simple, and uh, we do interviews sometimes, and uh, you know, it's really, it's pretty much that simple. Just talking about comics. You ready, Charlie? Yes, I'm ready. I'm Chris Claremont. I'm uh, Charlito from uh, Indie Spinner Rack. And uh, Indie Spinner Rack is a podcast that focuses on just the independent comics, uh, but without the snobbery. We still love the men in tights. And uh, there really is no format to our show. Um, well, there is, but we don't have them found it yet. It's just having a good time and really having a lot of fun and doing a lot of stupid silliness and uh, trying to get a good community out there talking about comics and supporting the, oops, supporting the NBC. Uh, my name's Scott Hines from Fanboy Radio, and I've been doing the show since November 2001 on the air, and we started doing podcasting about two years ago after everyone else. And, um, yeah, I love it, and it's good. And I, I host a show with Oliver Tall. My producer is my wife, Britta, and uh, we broadcast out of Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas, but, uh, you know, we podcast like everybody else, and that's what this is about. So, But um, I don't know what else format. We talk about comics with comic pros uh, because, you know, they're the source material. And then we talk about 
indie comics and everything to do with comics and a lot of stuff not to do with comics and fanboy culture, really. And, and your show is an actual radio show as well as a group part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm Lena Taylor, and my show is called I Read Comics. And uh, you can get it at ireadcomics.blogspot.com, also from iTunes. And it's just me, and I talk about things that I like, whether it's mainstream or indie <coughs> and gay porn. Um, <laughs> and uh, I have co-hosts occasionally, but mostly it's just me. Uh, I'm Joe Gonzalez from Comic News Insider. Uh, my co-host Jimmy Aquino in the front row. Um, we broadcast out of uh, New York City, and um, our show format is that we do reviews of uh, weekly comics. We cover um, news and information about the comic industry, also TV and film related to the comic industry. And we do guest interviews. Uh, it's a pretty laid-back format, usually about 30 to 40 minutes, and um, just having fun and enjoying the show while Jimmy drinks. No. I'm uh, John Suntress. Well, geez, sorry. Hot mic. Uh, I'm from uh, wordballoon.com. Uh, I've been doing this since uh, June of last year. And very simple. It's just me, one-on-one -on -one interviews with creators, uh, usually a half hour to an hour. Uh, sometimes when you get somebody like Brian Bendis, he wants to talk for three hours. And um, that's pretty much it. It's uh, really just all about the creators getting inside the process, kind of a DVD commentary of uh, the works and the creators. I'm Chris Marshall. I'm from Detroit, Michigan, and I host the Collective Comics Library podcast. Uh, it's all about trade paperbacks. I'm a solo show, a lot like Lena and Augie here, and uh, it comes out once a week, and I started in February of 2005. And I'm Augie DeBleek, and I think I was the first. Uh, first week of January 2005. Yeah, yeah time flies. Uh, my show is the Pipeline Podcast, basically. I've been writing the Pipeline Commentary and Review column at Comic Resources for just over nine years now. And I, I've done some college radio in the past, so I kind of wanted to do podcasting when I first heard about it. And basically what I do every week, and it usually updates on Tuesday nights, is take a look at the week's new release list and find 10 books worth talking about and I discuss them for about 10 or 15 minutes and I don't bring creators on because I'm too lazy to set up the tech. Well, that, that kind of, uh, I, I'm assuming that a lot of people out there are interested in actually kind of the technical aspects of things and uh, what, what goes into actually producing the podcast. And uh, I'll ask general questions here and you're free to kind of go down the line and answer them if you want, if you don't want to, if you want to just sit back. Scowl, that's fine. Um, in general, um, what what physically goes into uh, your preparation and then actually the broadcasting the podcast? What uh, you know, are you in a basement with a microphone? Are you two turntables? No, it's it's a bedroom that you have to close all the doors and windows in so that you, the the microphone doesn't pick up the ambient sound, which then overheats the room because the computer throws out all the heat. Thank you, Augie. No problem. So, that's what you do. So if anybody, if anybody wants to tackle that at all, no. well, I'll, I'll take that. We have, um, we do it in my computer room at home, and we squeeze, like I said, six or seven people into a fairly small office space, and uh, we use two computers. We record on a Macintosh, but uh, we have a mixer hooked up with six microphones running into the Mac, and then coming out of a PC into the mixer, I play all the sound effects and music and stuff from the PC. So we, there's six million wires all over the place, and we get the equipment for recording phone calls, and you know, just it's a it's crazy, and it's amazing that my wife puts up with it. 
We do. Uh, the Comic News Insider is pretty similar in the sense that we have just in my computer, I do video editing, so I have a system set up there, and we run it through a Mackie mixer, a couple mics, and um, a crude uh, phone setup when we do phone interviews with the mic shoving into the speaker phone. Um, <laughs> it works. Um, but in any case, it's yeah, it's really just kind of a setup like that. And we, as far as prepping the show, I mean, we try and uh, do a lot of our reviews and um, or getting all the information ahead of time, research on the internet and such. Uh, Jimmy always, always puts together a show rundown, so we break out everything that we're going to talk about on the show. But we actually record it and then edit it after. As I know some people do it just as is and lay it down. Yeah, we do absolutely no right. editing. Just <laughs> Well, it, it makes it feel live, yeah. even though it's yeah. recorded a week in advance or whatever. I just, I'm anal. I gotta have it. Like, so I edit. You know, I, I did radio for like 19 years before I started podcasting and then mostly sports radio. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of old school where I do the field inter I do the phone interview or a field interview. I take it home and mix it. I've got audio software. And yeah, other than that, technical things, I won't go into big details. But um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's funny. You know, you do an hour interview and then you spend two hours editing it and you get all the stammers and stutters out because everyone's like, God, your show sounds so smooth. And it's like, oh, if only you knew. <laughs> so. We, we uh, do a little uh, different than everyone else. We actually bought what's called an MR8, uh, which is its own little standalone eight track. And when I say we, I mean my co-host, Mr. Phil, who I need to give a shout out to. Sorry about that. And uh, two hands. And uh, the MR8 is a cool little device that you can plug uh, mics into, and it records onto a little memory card, which then you can transfer into your computer uh, if you don't want to have to deal with trying to figure out the whole computer thing. And then uh, I edited in what's called Cool Edit. And I add all kinds of wackiness and everything. Cool Edit is now Adobe Audition. Oh, is it really? Yeah, they bought. Yeah, Adobe oh, bought Cool Edit. That's exactly. <laughs> see, there you go. You know, it's more money. See, I bought mine in a flea market. So. <laughs> Audacity works really well too, and that's a freeware. And that's you know that's what I was using until the company that I worked at was like, hey, you want Cool Edit for home or Adobe Audition? I'm like, hell yeah. Pro Tools. Pro Tools is Pro Tools is great if you got the cash. That's the that really is the best. We actually use Audacity, too. What we do is um, two of us are, one of us is in New York, one of us is in Connecticut, and I'm in Los Angeles. So we do it over Skype, um, which works surprisingly well most of the time. There have been shows where we uh, had to record it two or three times with a crash rate near the end of a 40-minute show. Um, <laughs> and then after that, there's a program called Power Barama, which records off of Skype. And uh, we usually double up or triple up so that that doesn't go wrong. And from there, we bring it into Audacity and take out some of the more horrible things that we say and the five or six tries we did for the intro. And then, uh, I sit in my living room with a microphone. <laughs> yeah, I'm like in, I'm in my basement. And um, typically for me, I sit down at 9 o'clock on Tuesday night to upload it for New Comics on Wednesday. And when I sit down to record a half-hour show, usually by the time I'm done editing it, and getting all my notes, updating my blog, and updating the XML file, and getting all the, you know, the screw-ups out, uh, it's midnight and I can go to bed. I do it through my iRiver, yes. No, I have a, a, Behringer, a microphone through a Behringer mixer to an iRiver, and then from there I upload it to my computer. I have the, Be I have the Behringer mixer also, but it's, I used to do all the editing and stuff, and then I just didn't have the time. So I just I have my top ten list of comics and some ideas in my head of what I want to talk about, and I just get going. And about 10 or 15 minutes later, 
assuming there's no phones ringing that I have to edit out later, because forget to unplug the phone sometimes. Uh, it's a 15-minute file, then it's all the XML stuff. That it's very tedious. Uh, you guys are talking about how, how do most of you guys finance your shows? Have you done it out of pocket pretty much, or have you figured out alternative methods of funding? We got this man. No, really? No. Well, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Look into that. <laughs> I mean, that, that's pretty much it. Then you're just, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, it goes into the motivation of why you're doing the show. I guess. I mean, what what goals do you have for your for your for your podcast? I mean, are you entertaining yourself primarily, or do you have something larger in mind when you when you launch these things? Well, when we started, it was totally funded by me and uh, my lust for consumer electronics. So that made it easier to to you know, justify buying mixers and things. And uh, since then, we've we've gotten sponsors on the show. Uh, we sell some banner ads on the website and, and things like that. Um, and now the show is paying for everything and you know, subsidizing some of our trip to San Diego and things like that, which is which is really nice. And our long-term goals, we're not really sure yet. Um, when we started, it was just for fun, and now we realize that we we have some listeners who 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 care about the show and want to keep listening. So we want to keep providing it. And if we could turn it into a living, that would be fantastic. But that's a that's a long way away, and there's a lot of years between now and then. So we're just going to keep doing the exact same show, just trying to make it a little bit better every week. And uh, and hopefully someday, you know, there'll be budgets in in money in people's budgets to pay for mega advertising on podcasts, and then we'll ride the wave, you know? I just do it to scratch and itch, basically. I did college radio. Uh, I did some local radio for about seven years after that or so. So I've always had an interest in radio, but the local radio I was doing, you know, kind of got boring a little bit after a while. And I found, you know, with podcasting, I could just talk about comics, which I already enjoy doing. So it becomes more or less um, an adjunct to the column itself, which I do get paid for. So... To a certain degree, you know, it helps pay for the comics every month. It's part of, you know, the service I provide to CBR, more or less, as a freelancer. But uh, as far as long-term goals or selling advertising, I don't have any of that in mind myself right now. But if CBR someday came to me and said, hey, if someone wants to sponsor your show specifically, then, you know, I'd, I'd be open to it and maybe even expanding the show with it. Yeah, I'm lucky. I do have sponsors for my show. I have two, actually. Um, so I do get finance somehow. Uh, but it started out just by myself, and when I first heard about podcasting, uh, I listened to a few, and they were really bad, and I thought, well, I can do that. And look, which, know, ones, which one? Which one? I, uh, coming from radio, and, and really being disappointed, as I'm sure you all are, because you're obviously podcast fans, terrestrial radio, and no offense, Scott, because Scott is an exception, terrestrial radio sucks. It does, absolutely, and that's and really that's the great thing about podcasting because you it's an open field. So I think people who come with some already established radio skills can really make an entertaining show. And I think terrestrial radio has caught on to that, and now a lot of shows are podcasting as well. Um, and you know, television is doing the same thing. So um, I think podcasting, just like cable and any other uh, offshoot media, that you know started this way is addressing an interest that isn't being served by mainstream media. And so I, I certainly think while you may not have enough listeners, again, Scott being an exception, to, to sustain a local show, 
Um, certainly, there are, I think, a couple million of us around the world that can sustain an audience that might actually want to download the programs. And also, I think advertisers appreciate that not only are you listening and it's appointment radio, like appointment television, but you, that you're taking the time to download the show. I think that's something that the advertising world has kind of caught on to. And it's still in its small stages, and there are only small advertisers involved. But I can tell you, because I'm based in Chicago, and that's one of the advertising hubs, the big boys are aware, and they are listening. And they're, they're kind of dipping their toe in the pool right now and kind of figuring out who's doing it. So if you've got a couple thousand dedicated people that are downloading you every week, that's impressive. And that's like small newspaper numbers, very small. But still, that's significant, and they recognize that, and they want to do business eventually. So that's, that's kind of nice. I do it because it's fun. But sure, down the road, if you know, money's involved, fantastic. Uh, we actually don't have funding at this point, but what I would say is that um, you know, as the listeners grow, we're hoping to do that kind of stuff. Uh, but the great thing is, is that our listeners really help us a lot. We spend a lot of money out of pocket just because we like it, because we want to geek out and share our idiocy of loving comments with the rest of the world. But uh, I have to say, a lot of our listeners have given us donations and uh, really helped us in that sense. So right now, that's kind of helping us. Yeah, I think a lot of it just is out of the love of doing it because uh, we started it just for the fun of doing it and we continue to do that. We do our best to get it out every single week, new episodes uh, for the fans and, you know, that's it. I think it's just a matter of, of having the love to do it. I don't know that it will ever amount to anything if anyone's going to be calling and saying, hey, we'd love you guys to do something. But uh, I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case, but we'll keep doing it just because we really enjoy doing it and enjoy... Uh, meeting people and, and you know sharing our sharing our feedback and our two cents on stuff. So uh, we we sort we had a website for like five years and, and kind of no one came for a really long time. <laughs> dead years. And then uh, Ron one day, who's very uh, tech savvy, said, "Well, why don't we do a podcast?" And I'm like, "All right." So you know we can talk about. It. And all of a sudden, within a very short amount of time, we started ourselves having an audience, which is which a weird thing to have. And um, from there, we were like, well, wait a minute. When we say Invincible is really good, we get a bunch of emails back to people saying, hey, Invincible is really good. Thanks for telling me I bought it. And so there's clearly some sort of advertising you know, connection there. So you know, that's one of the things that we're looking for in the future. And we've, you know, we've got like a sponsor now. And um, you know, who knows if we'd be able to make a career out of it. But it's, it's a really good start. It's a fun thing to do. And if it even became you know, supplemental income, that's, that's a hell of a good time. My goals never really went, or still don't go beyond the next show, just getting it done and getting it out. Um, and I don't get any money for it, and I don't have any sponsorship aside from sort of the spiritual sponsorship I get from the literary magazine that I write for sometimes, the Lincoln Heights Literary Society, and also Comic Relief in Berkeley, which is a wonderful comic book store. But there's no money exchanged, and I'm actually kind of glad because if I had real advertising on the site, I might feel a little bit beholden to them and perhaps wouldn't be able to speak my mind as freely as I do on the show when I think something is bad and I say it's bad. Um, so I feel like the reason I got into it was just another form of creative expression since I've always written and I continue to write. And I do feel, and I did feel when I started it, but especially now, that um, I just need to represent it because I'm the only one up here. <laughs> Uh, Fanboy Radio apparently has three sponsors, and one of them keeps us alive. 
because uh, I was doing it out of college radio, and it was really kind of the thing that I milked my my tuition at my uh, university was just astronomical, and being an RTVF radio TV film major, there's no real jobs um, these That's days. True. These days for people that major in that, and so I said, you know what, I'm just kind of create my own show using the college station and and see if it gets a following, see if it makes any kind of response or anything like that. And, and it did, and it's grown. And right before I was about to graduate, I met a lot of people, a lot of uh, big businesses that their home offices were in uh, my hometown, Fort Worth. And they said, you got to keep it going, and we're going to do whatever it takes to keep it going. And so I sent them an invoice. And, then they, <laughs> and, and they paid. And so they haven't really stopped, because they know if they did, then you know I try and find another way to make money and you know, start working for them full time or something. But I, that's how I don't want to do that. But you know, and then but my first and my first sponsor was actually uh, a local brick and mortar comic book shop. They don't even have a website. They're just these just a comic book outlet um, in Fort Worth, Texas that uh, paid the university at first. And they paid the university for a long time. And I didn't see any of the money. And the university said, you know, you really should you really should see some of that money. Um, and so that was great, you know. And, that, and that's a great way if you have connections with other people, if you're, uh, you know, to to spread the love around that way. Um, and now they pay me in comics. That's nice too. That's the best way to do it. And your landlord takes comics. Landlord doesn't take comics. No, unfortunately. But then you know one of the big things about coming to San Diego is getting our information ready and trying to get more sponsors because I am uh, a shill and I uh, am a greedy, greedy bastard. And when we don't actually take any money from comic publishers because we speak our mind and we talk about comic publishers in a very open and honest way, and that's why that's the one group that we don't take money from. You know, it, even though we might talk about other mediums. Um, everybody else is open to give money for, to us, and we will promote them and, and hawk them and pimp them and do all that good stuff. As a guy who's going from, from radio to podcasting, is your emphasis? I mean, do you feel like you're doing a, a an internet, you know, universally available podcast when you're doing your show? Or are you more concerned about your local radio audience? Or? Uh, I'm more concerned about. I. It's about. I'd say it's about sixty forty. 60% for the local, but that's why my mind, my mind is kind of, I'm kind of focused on the non-reader. I'm trying to kind of be the way Wizard Magazine, their subscribers, there's a lot more subscribers to Wizard Magazine than, than comic readers sometimes. I don't, even, I don't know the stats. I'm talking out of my butt. But, uh, <laughs> but they, those are, Wizard Magazine a lot of times is for people who just want to keep their toe into comic books and want to kind of keep a... Without having to read it. Yeah, without having to read them. So uh, we're trying to we're trying to enable them, enable them to be readers. I uh, I was going to say too that, and although I don't do a comic radio show yet, um, one of the things I hope to do with the the podcast and the way that I do it is to elevate these writers and artists to the same level that they deserve, um, like filmmakers and and television writers and and novelists as well. These are writers and artists, and I mean, why are there forums? of discussing films, books, television and stuff and not comics and yet Hollywood continues to mine, you know, the resource and adapt these things. Well, and I also think that as fun as it is to talk to an actor 
about uh, a given show. I think the writers of that show and the directors and the producers are really the, the keepers of the creators, and I think the audience is more interested in that. And that certainly starts in the comic book field with the guys who have who are currently writing Spider-Man, Superman, the independents as well. I mean, you know, Clay's Hawaiian Dick is in development as a film. And I just think that that's people like the stories, and people want to hear about the stories. And they're interested in the behind-the-scenes aspect of that, but they're also curious, not to spoil, but they just want to know, you know, they want to know more about the, you know, inside of the character and everything. Go to the source, because at the end of the day, David Boreanaz was Angel, but, you know, Joss and David Greenwald and those guys are really the keepers of Angel, and they know what Angel is thinking. And I really think that the hardcore fans want to hear that stuff. And if you listen so, to John's interview with Greg Rucka, that's a really good example of that. Oh, thanks, man. No, I appreciate it. And, that, and the other great thing is, and I'm sure all of you guys who do interviews have reached the same thing, how great is it when a creator comes back and says, God, so many of the readers heard your interview and our interview and really appreciate it. And Rucka did that this weekend, and that was fantastic. Bendis always does that. And all these other guys, too. Or even the best thing is, like, for the longest time, I've wanted to get another person that's got a panel going on right now, Gail Simone. And uh, it really took her hearing these other creators to finally decide to come on and do the show. And now it's great, and she's just such a huge supporter of what you know I'm trying to do, and I think that's fantastic. So you know, it's good karma, man. You put it out there, and you say, "Hey, you guys are great. You deserve the audience." And then they, in turn, are like really appreciative, and they help promote you. God, Brian gave a few of our shows so much pub and New Avengers and Powers at the back and stuff. And I know, like you know, doing the stuff with Venice has really helped Scott as well, and it helped me, and it helped the Comic Geek Speak guys as well. So, I mean, I, I just think that's fantastic. So, it's a, it's a nice community where, clearly, at conventions like this, these guys are approachable. They appreciate our support as fans, and I include all of us together in that. And it's, it's just nice that we're all kind of in this together. We appreciate the art, but we're also rooting for them as well. So, we're glad to be part of the support system. I just, I just want to follow up with that because a couple of things that you mentioned were absolutely true. We actually did an interview... Um, from uh, Simon Schuster Publishing contacted us about a new book that had come out uh, from Paul Melmont. Um, it's the Chinatown Death Club Peril, and they asked us to put him on with the show. Uh, and he actually was here at the show, came to us and said, hey, I want to really thank you guys because people came, he sold out all his books here at the show, and he said several other people came up and said, we heard your interview on the podcast, a Comic News Insider, so it was really awesome to hear that feedback. And the other thing I just wanted to mention, too, about the community part of it, one of the things I really like about this comics podcast group, or everyone, really, is that it is a really great community. And at least in my eyes, I don't. I feel like there's a really great collaboration between all of us that everyone, no one's trying to, like, step on each other or say, you know, this one, you know, don't listen to this, don't listen to that. I think there's kind of this really nice synergy between all of the different podcast shows. I think people help each other out. They definitely promote other shows. A lot of us always say, well, listen to, you know, so-and-so show because they had an interview with. So I, I think there's a really nice tight-knit community amongst all of us, and it's one of the things that I really enjoy about being part of it all. I think one of the, one of the reasons that that happens a lot is because everybody here has a different type of show. I mean, like, Absolutely. Like, you can look up here, you see 10 people, and they talk about comic books, but if you listen to them, there's not one of them that actually overlaps a different one. You know, like, you know, there's interview shows, and there's review shows, and there's show and there's well, how many times too do you have like we'll have the same person on and literally in the conversation it's like you know when you were on with Fanboy Radio or when you were on with the Geek Speak guys you said this and it gives us a chance to build on it or I talked to Ernie from uh, Buzzscope 
And um, he said the same thing. He's like, oh, I listen to your things, and it helps me you know, prepare for my written interviews. And I'm like, well, it's cyclical. And I've always seen that in sp- my background is sports talk in Chicago. And the newspaper guys at first were really kind of pissed at the radio people and TV people. But really, it's, you know, we can build on what one person says. So we can start a conversation. One of us can have one of the, you know, guests on. A subject can come up. And then another in another one of the podcasts, we can build on that subject further and follow up in an area that maybe the original interviewer didn't think of. Well, we like to let you do all our, our research for us. Exactly. Believe me, I have all that stuff. Seriously, all I'm doing is really, guys, I'm, and I'm sure you guys do the same thing. We go online and we see what interviews they've done. And it's, okay, what are they talking Exactly. Google is our friend. And it's, the Internet is a wonderful thing. It's helped us all do what we're doing right now, but it also helps us with our research as well. And I'm not, I'm not just being nice. It's listening to these guys as well. That helps me do my interviews, and it's it's the God's honest truth, and it's it's fun, and it's and it's great too, because then when the creators say, oh yeah, you know the the comic geek spot speak guys mentioned you, or oh yeah, Heinz mentioned you, it's like oh that's cool, that's nice, you know, and it's like oh great, yay. <laughs> yay. But uh, as a as someone who's done a few of the shows, uh, as opposed to like when you do the newsroom and the Pulse and the CBR interviews, and generally they tend to kind of run in the same circles all the time. I know that when I'm on the shows. It's entertaining because it, it does turn into a completely different type of interview based on the show. So does that, I guess that kind of leads to the, the question, are you, therefore, you're not more concerned about pulling listeners away from the other podcasters as much as trying to fill a, a similar niche, people who sort of are in tune with what you're trying to do. I mean, I guess that's your primary motivation is to, is, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is what you're, you say? Your, your, primary interest <laughs> is, your primary interest isn't competing with one another in that. No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I, 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 you know, I mean, God, Scott and I just had a great conversation last week, and seriously, we like we spent like twenty minutes talking on the air, and then like another hour and a half off the air. Much really, better off the air, and it was. It, it, we seriously, we're both like, oh, this should be the show, man. This should be the show. So no, it's it's fun and it's nice, and also, uh, you know, well, I want everyone else to answer, but I'll come back and ask Clay a question. As a creator, I'm curious what Clay thinks of what we do. We'll get that. I uh, I completely look to still out those listeners. No, no, this is a war. No, it isn't. Who said you are? Which podcast do you go with? No, uh, really, honestly, we're the indie uh, podcast, like you said, and I think there's enough really out there. I hope that uh, people will just listen and find what appeals to them. The cool thing about podcasting, unlike radio, is it's kind of like a community. You listen to who you like, and like, like wow, that's like my friend. You know, like, oh, yeah. these guys fit kind of my people that I would hang out with. So these guys are indie guys. Yeah, you know, that's kind of what I would like to listen to. And, uh, you know, we try and embrace all the littlest guys who are on the Xerox machine to the bigger guys who won't come on the show like Paul Pope. And uh, I'm, just joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm totally joking. But, uh, no, we embrace any indie guy out there. And um, and uh, I'm rambling now, so I'm just going to turn it Well, I, I listen to about two hours of podcasting every day. Um, and it's in the afternoon after I get done with some of my other stuff. And I, while I'm writing emails, that's the cool thing about podcasting, about radio audio mediums, is people listen to it while they commute, while they write, while they work. Exactly. That's the cool thing. That's why we have the leg up on text media. I mean, that's why we're so much better than all of them. And while they're surfing. <laughs> or while they're surfing, especially while they're surfing. And, and, and so I, I, I just turn on two hours of podcasting. And sometimes I don't have a chance to even, like that's, that's like 14, well, it's really 10 hours a week. And that can't really cover all of even the comics podcasting. I mean, I also listen to sports and entertainment podcasts and, you know, Ninja and all this other great stuff that, uh, 
so because I'm trying to have it all make my show better, like everybody else does. Um, so I guess part of me, to be honest, is you know trying to think about the best way I can use my listeners' time because I want them to uh, get done with my hour of show and then spend the next time that they have allotted to podcasting or allotted to commute or some some other hour to fill up in the, their iPod to be really good if it's comic related or not. Um, it just kind of to move on to the next thing, you know. I don't. I, don't, I would never ever want to uh, misuse my my allotment of time in terms of uh, you know. I don't know. I'm just. I'm, I try to be very careful. I mean, it's different with radio because you do have this one hour and it is very very fixed. And uh, I know a lot of these guys, Charlito and uh, Mr. Phil. Mr. Phil. <laughs> I listen. I subscribe. Thanks. But it's just easy to forget that guy. Well, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't, I didn't mean to say that it really is a great community. I have not gotten anything but support from these guys. And I think that that's the thing. Uh, why bring negativity into it? If we can support each other, I think that's better than uh, beat each other down. Can I go back to your question about the interviewing and, and, and stuff? Well, we, we like to do less of an interview and more of a conversation. You know, you, you can read endless publicized interviews where it's like, okay, Stan Lee, why did you create Spider-Man? And what does it feel like to, you know, see the success of the Fantastic Four? I mean, these guys have been asked these questions six million times. And, you know, we had you on the show, and of course we're going to talk to you about, you know, Hawaiian Dick, because you want to you get that known, you want to sell some books. But then we're going to say, hey, so what books do you like to read? You know, what's your favorite hero? What the heck? Let's just talk about comics, because the show is about talking about comics. And when, when the audience can get a personal feel for you or for any of the creators that we've had on the show, they, they get a side of that, that person that they've never heard before because they don't get a chance to just talk to Ed Brubaker. You know, they, they're not going to run into him in the street and just talk with him for an hour because th it's not going to happen. He has somewhere to go. Probably. Well, yeah, he's probably writing books. But uh, so, so we like to, to do that because, and then it's more fun. Everybody just has more fun and I, we think it makes the show more fun. And uh, you get some gems out of them. You know, you have some great conversational moments that you wouldn't get if you just asked them about their latest book. And uh, so that's what—that's how we try to approach the the interview thing. And and uh, I think it makes for more entertaining shows. A point about competition, which I think is often overlooked in podcasting, is that competition implies there are limited resources that everybody is trying to go for, and that's just not true. It's not like there's a limited number of people who listen to podcasts. The number of people who listen to podcasts could be infinite, all the people that there are in the world. And it's not like it's time fixed like radio or TV is. So you can listen to every podcast that there is if you had enough time for it. So we can all share the same listenership, and we can have the same listenership as every other podcast that's out there. So I think it's a different framing of what competition is. And mainstream media really hasn't grasped that yet. They still view podcasting as any other media where you do compete for people's ears and their minds. And it's just not like that. It's a completely different arena. It's partially because of the restrictions that mainstream media had, just like Scott started to say. And that's what we talked about. And I feel for him because it is an hour. Not only that, you have to always, being in radio, reestablish for new listeners that are just tuning in because it's a live presentation. FCC. Well, that, well yes, there's the restrictions. So, yeah, you can't drop the F-bombs like you can on podcasts. But also, like, hey, by the way, we're talking to X. And if you want to call in, please do that. Or even to stop the conversation, as Brian said, to take a caller, sometimes you lose track of the subject you were just on. 
And what I really enjoy doing is, as Brian said, having these conversations and not only learning about comic things about the creators, but like Clay's a perfect example. Clay and I were just shooting back and forth with like great crime movies we love and books and just all these interests. Or Neil Adams, I had Neil Adams on, and I'm like, Neil, here's your chance. I don't know if you guys know, he has this crazy scientific theory about how the universe was created. Well, that's what the community says, but I think it's a very interesting, well-thought-out thing, and it's like, Neil, here's your forum. How was the universe created? And he gave me 15 minutes, and it's like, it was really fascinating. Or you just, Jeff Darrow loves, like, Westerns, and we're talking about how much we love Gunsmoke. Or I just talked with Howard Chaikin, that's the new show that's this week, and he was just going through tons of canceled TV shows that were so cool and were too cool for TV, and he was just listing them. And it's, you get to know the person, beyond their work, beyond what they think of the comic book world, but just as a guy and as a woman, and that's fantastic. And it's, it's, again, conversation. That's why I always say the War Balloon is the comics conversation site. It's not an interview. Text is limited. Radio is limited. They're, they're very finite in their space. And luckily with podcasting, as Lenny just said, you can go as long or as short as you want. And that's great. I think one of the other things we're discovering is that the market, I don't want to use that word, but the, the audience of, of people who are available to listen to it is not... It's not finite. We, I think we've only scratched the surface. I mean, right now, what you've got, people listen to podcasts are the early adopters for the most part. And it's just starting to catch on, and people are just discovering that they can go to iTunes and search comic books, and and you know they'll find all this stuff. And, and not that we ever look at who comes up on iTunes first. <laughs> we get emails. You guys are first now, but not anymore. Um, changes on hours. It, it's all the time. It depends on what you do. Um, but but I mean, what I'm saying is that. There's just there, we haven't even scratched the surface of what's available yet, and 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 I think that's why we don't really have to have a competition at all because the audience is huge and we barely got five percent of who might show up. Yeah, just just a couple of months ago, the the stat was only five percent of Americans had even heard of what a podcast was. So, and if you spread that out against the rest of the world, there's a whole huge audience just waiting. Think of, think of satellite TV and how it was literally in the 70s and 80s, and you had to have a dish before cable was really everywhere. As soon as the interface gets simpler, more people are going to be involved, so I completely agree. We are just scratching the surface. It's tech-savvy people, but there are going to be you know, ways of, that people are going to be able to get the shows. Real quickly, I, I liken it a little bit to uh, digital comics and web comics, because anybody can do it, and as it grows, the, the cream rises to the top, and the, uh, the really good ones stick around, they get molded, they evolve, the medium evolves. I mean, there's like podcasting awards now, right? Yeah, yeah there are. Well, I, you know, I think that's a scam, man, because that's, like that's like such an old radio scam. Hey, if you want to be podcaster of the year, just do this. Who's of course, who? there's, there's a $200 entrance fee, and it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, and you get a nice wooden plaque, but nobody knows that you won this. It's ridiculous. So I don't know. I'm skeptical about the podcast awards. He didn't win, <laughs> Alright, I'm better. You're right, I'm better. You're right. Right. You can nominate yourself though. I, so I, so I, I guess you guys you guys fully expect the, the field to kind of explode in the next few years in terms of other people entering the podcast. <laughs> but you know that's that's the problem with sports radio. And again, I, I just use that as a model because that's what I experienced. There were only a handful of sports stations when we started in nineteen ninety one and soon there were a lot. So you know, I think we're going to have to pick and choose. I, I think we're lucky that there are so many different books and creators, independent books, mainstream books, that, you know, I, I think it's it's still going to be, the onus is on the podcaster to kind of be out there, do something unique, and also, we'll see what happens really, Clay, when guys like you are like, you know, I've done 15 podcasts in the last week. I think that's enough. 
So I think that is going to be a perpetual limitation. <laughs> what happened with Clay? <laughs> I just equate that to the, inter the internet interviews that I. Sure. Yeah, well, yeah. That's, that's, uh, um, now you made me lose my train of thought. Well, I guess I guess yeah. that makes sense. What, what you're saying about. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, could you guys please go down and just describe briefly your audience, how big it is, so we can see what the whole thing looks like? Sure. How big is each of your audiences per episode? But I'd say usually around 3,000. Mine's such a niche audience, speaking about trade paperbacks, that it's about 1,000. I'm probably the lowest here, really. Oh, no. Oh, crap. Uh, <laughs> I'm a good upstate. No, there's, there's a, a stat somewhere I heard recently where I think it's you have over 500 downloads a week, you're probably in the top 5% of podcasters because there's just so many very niche podcasts out there. And I, my numbers waver, but it's probably between 500 and 1,000 each week. But my, I'm mostly still known as a writer and a columnist, so my numbers for the column are really high, but it's a small percentage of that that go towards the podcast. I haven't really worked too hard at, at trying to get the podcast out more to a general community to try to create a lot of what the, what the uh, podcasters here have. They've created their own message boards and websites around their podcast, whereas my podcast is sort of an adjunct to the, the written column. But you are a talented resource. Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does help. And we're working on some things to help promote it better on the front page and that kind of thing. I don't actually know the numbers. You have to ask Jonah on that. I know it's insanity, though. <laughs> you can check up uh, Alexa.com and uh, get the numbers there. Well, our numbers are pretty small. Uh, we're at about 500 uh, each episode. And actually, that's not too small. It's pretty good, actually, compared to. Did you really expect? I mean, like we yeah. were, when we got like 300, we were like, oh my god, yeah, people exactly. Oh my god. <laughs> and uh, if you include all of my Mexican family, it's 4,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they don't count. So, but we have had some podcasts that hit about 1,500, close to 1,500. Only a few, but uh, you know, and it keeps growing. Like you'll go back and you're like, oh my god, we just had 100 listeners on this episode because it's always there. Yeah, on our side, that's also, I mean, we probably average, I'd say about 500 to 1,000 or so, usually per episode. Sometimes it peaks up if we have some, you know, celebrity, I mean, our biggest one, I think, was Michael Emerson from Lost that we interviewed. So that's like, that one was really high. Um, but yeah, we, we usually when we have a guest on, it's usually much higher, but you, I'd say on average, it's about 800, almost 1,000 or so. You know, despite the stats on the site, I, I have no fucking idea. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's really hard to say uh, because you can look at how many downloads per show, and on my show, it's up to about 1,000 per show, but every week I see that there are downloads of old shows going all the way back to number one. So how many downloads a week? Well, I mean, it's 1,000 per show, but it's probably more like 3,000 per week, but that's not the same show. And there is some pass-arounds, like the way magazines get passed around. And you can't tell how many people are hearing it because a friend put it on their computer or because they borrowed somebody's iPod or because they heard clips of it in another place. So I think it's very, very difficult to measure that. It's, it's not a simple number, and the stats don't tell you everything. Yeah, like exactly like Lena said, you, you, you don't really know. I mean, we know we switched servers in December, and since December we've had like a quarter of a million unique downloads. So I don't know how many pe different people that is down. I mean, we put out a lot of episodes a week, so it's hard to, 
it's hard to tell, you know, of those quarter million, a lot of those people are download have downloaded, you know, fifty shows, so divide by fifty. I don't know. You know, how do you how do you really tell? But it's so but it's just it's kinda of, you know it's it's the the technology is, is difficult to tell. I'll tell you after the panel. <laughs> <laughs> it's too large for your small minds to <laughs> Seven. Seven people listen. That, you know, it's it's okay, Scott. It's okay. Well with that in mind, I mean it seems like you're you're all at least peripherally slightly aware of your numbers. Um, are you? Is there a concern for you then when you're when you're putting a show together to balance? I mean, are you are you careful to make sure that you're you're bringing people stuff that might attract a mass audience? I mean, like in comics, you know, all you have to do is look at the the numbers every month, and you can see that Civil Infinite War Crisis is selling a gazillion copies, whereas other books are selling a fraction of that. I mean, you have to assume that perhaps your audience is going to be more limited if you're focusing on quality over quantity. Not that there's a difference. And um, I mean, is that a consideration for you? I mean, are you? Um, I mean, now you're an indie guy, so I mean, yeah. I guess you're you're sort of, you know, willfully going against the the grain when you do that. <laughs> Too much investment to get the whole thing. Well, yeah, exactly. You can't succeed. No, uh, I don't know if I understood the question. I think it was too good for my brain. Um, uh, no, um, I just really try and give a root. I we try and create a show that really is fun for me, and try and stay true to that. And sometimes it can be pretty silly and out there and uh, just continually try and do like you said quality show and there's times where we spent, I spent 20 hours editing a show just for a vomit you know sketch or something. Um, you know I mean it's See, silly that would be mass appeal that would be mass appeal yeah it's true <laughs> um, so there are times where uh, I guess I'm just trying to put good quality into it and hope that people will enjoy it and have fun and then they'll tell their friends and likewise Keep listening. Yeah, we try and mix it up. I mean, sometimes just different topics will come up that we find interesting, and we'll put it on the show. We did an episode that was like all like a kid show for all ages, and we had another a kid podcaster who has a show that he reviewed a comic book for us. And so we'll just like mix it up just to have a diverse range of topics and interest, and maybe some of it will bring in a new listener. And I guess I guess a different way to put it is: Do you feel any responsibility to the community? I mean, do you do you feel like, well, if I've got an audience who's tuning in to listen to what I have to say about Bendis, you know, do I owe it to somebody uh, that I think is a quality that is having the spotlight shine on them? You know, really make an effort to sort of focus on them as well, or do you just go, I don't really care about those guys. I'm into Wolverine fighting. <laughs> I think for us, one of the things that we uh, wait a minute, lost my train of thought. And no, we, we started off trying to do this thing with our voice, and we actually kind of found there's three of us, and we, uh, it's Ronnie Connor, by the way. Um, and we started doing this thing, and we're like, we, we try to focus on making sure we do that same kind of thing. So when you talk like that, like, we know that most of the people who listen to us read superhero comics and read Marvel and DC. And then what we try to do is take that, and, and we've heard this a lot, where we'll say, well, we'll talk about how we like that stuff, and they'll say, we also really like this. And that's the point where somebody says, wow, we never thought to read such and such a book, or we can say, you know, you, you like, you know, Greg Ruffin's work in D.C., go read Queen and Country, and that, that's one of the things that we found is really rewarding. And so we try to use that audience and then show them new things. That's our, one of the things we like to do. My criteria is if I, like, if I like a book or I like a creator, as opposed to doing reviews or really giving my opinion on what sucks, you guys buy stuff every week, and, I, and you know, people do review shows here, and that's great. But, I, but my personal feeling is 
everyone is a critic. Everyone buys, buys things they like or dislike. For my criteria, I do talk to a lot of mainstream people. I also talk to independent people. And also people approach me, and as I'm sure a lot of you guys who've been doing it long enough do get books. And my whole thing is, if I have a guest on, I like the guest. If, if they are somebody that's in Wizards Top 5, fantastic. If it's a new person and their work really intrigues me, that's fantastic. I just talked to children, uh, Tom Waltz, who did Children of the Grave. Uh, the IDW trade is coming out. It was a shooting star book. And, you know, it had a small audience, and IDW liked it, now they're making the trade. Well, Tom has a really interesting story because he's a, he's a Marine and was a, in the National Guard during the first Desert Storm and right after 9-11 as well. So he saw some action. And it's an army story about the Middle East. Well, that's really fascinating. And this is his first book. Children of the Grave is his first book. It's a cool story. He's an interesting guy. And that's enough. And I was so pleased that my listeners obviously responded to that as well and have like even come back and said that was a really cool show. I wasn't aware of this guy. So yeah, I'd say it's it's 50-50. There are mainstream people that I haven't had on. I don't I like the X-Men. I am not a person that buys the 20X books every month. I just it, I don't give a shit. I really I mean it just became this as I'm sure for some of you, it's this huge wall of continuity that I just didn't want to spend any more money on. So I'm kind of out of touch with a lot of the X guys. And you know, like I know Brubaker's going to be on in a couple months, and I love Brubaker a million things, and he's just been doing a lot of recently X-Men stuff. There's probably not going to be a lot of X-Men talk, I might think. I don't dislike him, but I just don't give a shit. So yeah, I mean, there's a mainstream thing that I could care less about. Make sure, make sure you let him know that. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Well, I'm running X-Men. I don't give a shit. <laughs> we, uh, we do a segment called Summer Flub that we do purely for the entertainment basis. I mean, we, we, we really try to engage and entertain a non-reader. I mean, that really is. I mean, that makes, that, that's really one of the top mission statements of, of what we do. And uh, a lot of it sometimes, I mean, fanboy radio, fanboys, you know, comic geeks speak all the time. And they, they're honest with each other, and they tell it like it is. And in the comic shop, more times than not, they're bitching about stuff. And a lot of times, I get emails a lot of emails if we haven't flubbed in a while, you know? I mean, people, my audience demands to hear a little bit of, a little bit of, of dirt being kicked around, you know? And so we have to do it. We have to do it diplomatically. We have to do it so that, you know, if it's someone who's really trying really hard, is unsuccessful, is not doing, I mean, then, then it's just being mean almost. But then there's the people that, you know, you can, they're doing six books a month and, and you know, you, some of them aren't as good as others and sometimes a good criticism is a good criticism. If you can back it up, then we give you a couple seconds to back it up. And uh, we, we think that that's a good thing, you know. We think that that, hopefully, a few editors at Marvel and DC listen. We hope that they uh, appreciate our criticism. We do it mainly to entertain the non-readers to get them interested uh, and to separate the wheat from the chaff. Um, but when we have a guest on, we will never ambush anybody, even when we want to, like John Byrne. We do not do it. When we have someone on, it's to promote their work and to talk about how much, how, what they're bringing to the table to make comics evolve and be better. And so it's, it's delicate, and it's uh, production programming decisions all the way around, but it's, uh, it's important. That's interesting because uh, on our show, since we're dealing with indie-related comics, it's a lot of times coming from a person who isn't getting paid money. Uh, they're not having someone call them up and saying, hey, you have 20 days, we need this script, and here's $3,000. Right. They're doing it purely because they do. They woke up that morning or that night, whatever, and said, I'm going to draw this. And it may be raw, it may be a piece of crap, I may do it with a stick and ink, I may do it with whatever, 
then I'm going to do it. And for us, we won't bash him because we say right. that you're putting your love into it and we understand that we respect that. Now, that being said, we get a lot of stuff I don't like. Um, however, I still want to make sure I plug those guys and say, hey, you know, because some other guy may really like it. You know, you never know. So it's an interesting. Uh, There's one more neat trick I learned, especially from doing the column. My podcast is beholden to the top 10 list each week. So I can only talk about what comes out. So if it's a week where there's a lot of Marvel comics I'm interested in, now eight or nine in the top ten may be Marvel comics, and the next week Marvel will show up. But the one thing I learned from doing the column I do in the podcast also, you can grab the reader by the neck by talking about the X-Men and all that stuff for the top nine. And if your number one book of the week is The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck, you surprise them with that, and it's amazing. That book in particular, I've got a lot of people who come back to me later and said, that's a great book. I never would have thought it was as super broke in many ways, storytelling-wise as it is, and they've really enjoyed it. So you can use, and whether you're... <laughs> there you go. Good man. And Don Rosa has been here this week, and I don't know if he's here today or not. No, we did not. I love you, sir, now. <laughs> Do you have a related question on here? Have any of you transcribed some or all of your podcasts to make them more searchable, or abstracts, or keywords? So that some of these search engines can find something particular, like the, some of these For the benefit of the recording, he's asking about whether you've transcribed or dealt with tags or things to make the, the podcast more search engine accessible? Put it in the text. Put it in the text. There's a, there's a site called podzinger.com that we're listed on. They actually somehow transcribe all the stuff, and you can search through the texts of or, you know, the, the words spoken in the podcast. It's not the best uh, transcription all the time, but um, it's a really neat service, other than that, you know, just the informational blurb on it on iTunes for us. We have extremely detailed show notes that uh, Peter Rios enters in on our website, listing like minute by minute on the show, you know, oh, started interview, discuss this topic, discuss this topic, reviewed this book, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And those are all on the website, so they're Google or Yahoo can pick them up, or you can just come to our website, type in the word that you want to search for, and you'll get a list of every episode that we've discussed, Daredevil, or B. Claymore, or whomever, and then, then you can listen, and then zoom right to that section of the episode if you want, and skip all the other stuff to get to the topic that you're looking for. I'm, I'm a net knucklehead, and I mean, really, like, radio is my thing, but, like, if you guys have seen my website, and I get a lot of comments about how crappy my website looks, and I do, I use Yahoo Site Builder, I mean, it really is small time, but, um, and people have actually addressed it and said, actually, some, some hearing impaired people have written to me and said, gee, I really wish that you would transcribe your interviews, because I'd really love to read them, because I can't hear them, and I really feel for those people. To, to fully transcribe an hour interview is really an arduous task. But what I have done recently, and, and through the help of some very nice people, is I, I have created a magazine that I will occasionally put out. Um, it's not, I'm not in competition with any of the magazines or anything, and I'm not getting in the magazine business. It's free. It's meant to promote the site. And I brought a box of them to give to everybody. And this is, I appreciate the question because for twofold, to say also, I'm glad, I didn't know about Podsinger. That shows you how much of a knucklehead I am when it comes to the web. So I'm totally going to use this. But also, yeah, I'm giving these copies out. I'm giving them out here in San Diego and also in Chicago in two weeks. And um, I'll have them available eventually at the site as well. But all of you can get them. If I don't have enough room, and I think I do, uh, I'm at the Century Guild booth downstairs, which is 29 
45. The Nocturnals, the Dan Brereton uh, stuff is right there. It's beautiful fine art as well. But we're handing them out there as well. So if I do run out. But yeah, these are just transcription highlights. And really the full comp interviews are at the website to be audio shows. Because they are audio shows. But I do. I feel for, for the hearing impaired that have asked me about this. And I said if down the road I make enough money to do this on an ongoing way, I would be happy to provide full transcription. See, that, that sensitivity to your hearing impaired I mean, podcast you, audience. That's, that's huge. Well, it, it really did because I thought, God, I'm, you know, I don't charge for them. They're free and everything. I think I'm doing the right thing. But this, you know, this really nice guy did it and he wasn't being a jerk about it. So I was like, God, what do I do? So like I said, yeah, I mean, we've got, we've got these and uh, pot singer is great. I'm totally going to like look at that. So that's fantastic. I just, oh, were you going to say something? I was just going to say, sometimes you can be lucky enough to have people do it for you. Um, True. The people, the, the women who do um, When Fangirls Attack, when they link to my show, which is almost every show, um, they usually put in a time code for the parts that they think are particularly relevant. So I don't have to. Cool. The, other, the other thing that I don't know if there are people in the audience who, who don't listen, but our shows are totally free. You just go to the website and download. And I'm, I'm like a lot of new podcasts. Yeah, there is a, I mean, like, Ricky Gervais actually charges and makes millions of dollars. But, I mean, we have, you know, like, we have on our website, we have over 200 episodes that you can download anytime you want. Every show we've ever recorded is on there and always will be, and it's totally 100% free. So just try it. I mean, if you don't like it, that's great. If you like it, listen all you want because it's free, and you have no, no risk involved. As far as text, uh, we've hired a Sherpa. He's in my hotel. <laughs> right now he's in my hotel. He's clicking away. And uh, we're hoping by 2008 we'll have all of them trained. We don't, we don't do any of that. The The main site, uh, fanboyradio.com, is just an image blog. So we're shooting ourselves in the foot. You know, It's very hard to search for images uh, for an image blog. But we did, because to, to fill that need, we created our own podcast site, fbrpc.com. And you know, we like put in podcast into the uh, the URL tag just so it's more searchable. So yeah, we have to you have to be savvy that way. You have to be able to make it searchable. Um, other than that, I, there's, I'd like to ask some questions about your specific shows and some things you've done, but I'm curious if anybody in the audience, you know, there may be some aspiring podcasters, what have you, does, does anybody have any questions related to the to the actual editing? Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, if anyone's near that microphone back there, I believe it's live. Oh, it's like C-SPAN. Would you please step up to the mic when you ask your question? <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to, you know. British House of Commons. <laughs> Internet Community News. Good morning. Question, guys. Do you think that advertising FCC, uh, all these people who have money, will kill iPodding? By making it financially viable? No. Nope. No. 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 The only thing I worry about, I thought about with Scott, is that net neutrality stuff. Yes. That, that, and if you guys are, are you guys aware of net neutrality and the issue that's before Congress and everything? If you're not, um, all the internet service providers, much like the television and radio networks, are really trying to co-opt the internet and not only make you as uh, people who want to have internet service pay them for the you know privilege of getting you know information, but also now they want web hosts to pay them so that uh, their pages will download faster or their downloads will go faster. And it's such a scam and it's such crap. And luckily there are a few people in Congress that are stepping up and are standing behind us. The internet is such a environment where Joe's Pizza can compete with Pizza Hut and Domino's. And if they have a good product online, 
They their pages download the same, their services download the same, and that's exactly how it should be. So the only thing that will stop that is if the assholes in Congress that you know the lobbyists that you know support the television and radio networks, and also the phone companies and internet service providers, if they get their way, that's really going to suck, and that's going to you know. There, those people that pay into this scam, their pages will download faster. Their downloads will come faster, and that's just such crap. So go to savetheinternet.com. Yes, go to savetheinternet. And Scott, yeah, Scott had a whole segment about it on one of the shows a few months ago, and I'm so glad that he did because it really is an important issue. And no lie, man, write to your. This is not bullshit. Write to your senators, write to your congressmen, and say. Listen, keep the internet open, keep it a free range, so that we are all able to do this and that that kind of competition doesn't screw us up. But other than that, this is a really good way for us to undercut that whole media entity that, that exists. I mean, basically, yeah. there's a big media, you know, gatekeeper, uh, I lost my, he knows. Anyway, um, <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's a few companies who control everything and they control all the advertising. That's right. What we've done is we undercut them. We get right in there and we have specific audiences and they know exactly what they want, exactly what we like, and we can talk right to them. And, and so we, we prove to them we don't need them. And, and because everything we do is so specific, you know, we, can, we can get to exactly what we need to and, and I don't think that will be a problem at all. I think that if anything, you'll see the, this will be a trend that you'll see a lot more in, in the coming years. And the difference is that with mainstream media, you're paying for it, and that's always been a pay-for content model. With podcasting, we're giving it away, and we always want to give it away. How can you stop someone from giving away something for free that they want to give away for free? It's a bad time to announce our subscription model. <laughs> <laughs> Nix it. Does anybody else have any specific questions? That, uh... um, what are you guys doing to advertise for your site to get more listeners? What, what do you, besides iTunes or whatever, that advertise? I'm sleeping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this. Yeah, you know. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons why I, I created the magazine. And also, I've, I've had very nice cooperation from uh, comic book resources and newsarama. Guys like Augie and Stephen Grant at CBR have been very kind to mention the show in in uh, their text pieces as well. And that's seriously, man. And you know, I thank you a million times before. But that's so huge, and it's so nice to see it jump. And it's like, wow, why did all these people suddenly download the Azarello interview? And it's like, oh, that's cool because Augie mentioned it. And that's that's fantastic, um, and and it's it's been nice on occasion. Uh, Newsarama asked me to post the Kurt Busiek interview that I did there, and that really helped out. So again, I mean, you you look to the community to kind of cross promote. And the other thing too is, I try to get a few non-comic people, but still in the genre, much like the convention, having people like writers and filmmakers. Um, come on as well, and it's nice sucking in their audience. Jeff Darrow, I had him on to talk about Shaolin Cowboy and Burly Man. It's not like I wasn't going to talk about The Matrix with him, clearly, because he was such a big part of it. And it was such a thrill to get this global Matrix fan base coming in and checking out the show, and I got a couple thousand extra you know, downloads just from those people. So it is that kind of internet word of mouth that has been able to cross-promote. Yeah, we do the same thing. I mean, a lot of cross-promotion when we did the one with uh, for Lost, we had uh, the Lost podcast with uh, Jay and Jack. Uh, they did it, promoted our stuff as well, and they had the feed. So we do a lot of that cross promotion. But a lot of it's also just like coming up with creative ways to get your your podcast out there. Um, we also, I mean, postcards. I mean, it's all exactly. I mean, it's stuff that you print up yourself to get out there and word of mouth, and certainly with other shows promoting each other. Yeah, definitely cross-promoting. Um, Comic Geeks Beat Brian has been really cool. He lets me do a little segment called Five Minutes Manga. <laughs> and uh, 
I do that. And uh, oh, thank you. And um, and uh, he's they're great. They always let me say indie spinner at the end and plug it. And all the other casts, Scott just did an interview with him. It was just so awesome and so nice. And great. Partners. And uh, and what else do we do? Oh, we were we were sponsored by Mocha, the Mocha Festival, which is kind of like the darling awesome. uh, independent comics festival of the industry. And they had us be the official podcast, which we actually got a booth, and so it gave us a lot of legitimacy. And with indie guys, it's great because we the way we promote is we just want, you can approach them more than you can maybe a Jim Kruger, or someone like that. Most of them, and just give them you know your card, and, and a lot of them are spreading it around through friends and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. Another thing I do is press releases. You can just write up one of those, send them to your local paper. I know the local people, even if you just do your podcast, it's a global thing, of course. But uh, you know, local papers. Because um, I do other podcast work and I do other radio work, uh, they have ownership in, in you and want you to succeed and just send them that way. Send them to comic news sites. Uh, send them to your friends and family. Send them, and that's a great word of mouth thing because you just hit the reply thing. Uh, it's very very easy. Press releases are great, um, and then you know convince people to get into Civil War two and three, like yeah. me and you, buddy. It's the way to do it. All three issues of Civil War so far is a CGS shout out. So I was uh-huh. yeah. just the lightest one. Yeah, with the microphone. That's yeah. cool. Scott makes a good point. If you're if you're doing something like that, it's having spent a year as a PR and marketing coordinator at Image Comics. All these sites, I mean, and there's tons of them. And you don't know what the audiences are at any of these news sites or review sites or whatever. They're all hungry for news. And I mean, it doesn't really matter who you are if you can write up an official sounding press release. With information, it's odds are it's going to go up at you know a sidebar on Newsarama or at CBR or wherever. Yeah, so anything. <laughs> 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 we have a sidebar, <laughs> but I mean really, it's it's just such an easy resource. Not you know, I mean it, you will at the very least have a headline on a numerous sites that people may click on. So I mean, Can I ask a quick question to the audience because this is one of my radio things, and I'm sorry, we'll get to you next. Do we actually look like how we sound? <laughs> it's really weird for me to hear these guys. I'm not looking at them. It's like I'm listening to their podcast right now. <laughs> down the table from me. Uh, I have a face for radio. Exactly. <laughs> Seriously, so many people are like, oh, that's what you look like? Oh. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't look like Redford. I want to. We got an email uh, suggesting what we might look like. Content. <laughs> <laughs> I thought. I just want to follow up on the Ron cross. And I might look like Mark Bagley somehow. I don't really know what that means. Connor was Ours is really funny because everyone thinks Mr. Phil is big, black, and bald. I mean, if you look back, he's white and he's uh, he's standing right there. He looks nothing like that. That is that's not Mr. Phil. Is it? Ah. <laughs> Oliver's right there. Oliver's Oliver's big, black, and bald. We should have the two switch. Yeah. Another question at the microphone. My question's for Chris. I uh, love your podcast. Any plans to expand it to an hour? Perhaps? Oh, boy. You really want to listen to me for an hour? I love your show. Um, I could. There is, if you look at the trade paperback market 20 years ago, there was none. Now, 20 years later, it's nearly half the market. Um, and I'm thankful that I have no competition. <laughs> and uh, the other thing... That so yeah I could it, it's it'd be easy to do I could really go into another feature or or whatnot um, I thought about doing interviews in another podcast that I was going to create but I just haven't really gotten around to it yet 
Um, that was my trade secrets podcast that I was going to do and interview uh, editors and publicists and marketing and salespeople from different companies. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's always been in the back of my mind. But it, like I said, it's as a solo uh, artist. Um, it's you know, it's it's but it's very difficult. And Augie and Lana will tell you this to carry a show all by yourself. I have no one to all banter back that. with. I don't have uh, you know, like Comic Speak six that's, guys. Yeah, that's, to turn that's to. why there are six of us because you know, <laughs> one of us could I do it. Yeah. No, no, it's wonderful. I don't have callers like Scott. I you know, it's it's very it's just me and it's very time consuming. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, as you know by listening, I have gone up to an hour here, 45 minutes there, but I really want to keep it down to the, between the 20 and between 20 and 35 minutes. I think that's where I top out. Uh, I don't want to get long-winded um, or ramble like I am now. Uh, so, uh, so I hope that answers your question. <laughs> What became the Bendis tapes and stuff, I mean, it was, it was really, we thought Brian and I were only going to talk for like an hour. He had 300 questions from his message board, and it became this three-hour conversation. And while we're doing it, it was like the elevator stopped between floors, and we were trapped in hell. And I mean, and there are times in the thing, I'm like, dude, we're on hour four of this. What the hell? And that's why we're going to get the little pregno story. Is there too much? I mean, I, I'm just wondering. No. Okay. I know okay. with your Bendis interview, I had heard it, and I had people, like, emailing me stuff that they heard, like, in the third hour of the interview. So we got slapped. So I had to weed through all of it to find well, out what they were talking about. Yeah, I mean, I, like, we started losing oxygen, and we're like, ah, you know, and I mean, <laughs> I mean seriously, I and mean, we were, we were just like two, two high school girls just laughing and stuff. It was crazy. Two giggling girls, if you know your clerk's cartoons. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, that's so that's why it's like all right. I, I try to keep the shows like an hour fifteen, and no, you guys do the marathons, but actually they're fun because it's six guys and you do a million things, and it really is this whole. And you get wrapped up in it. And sure, it goes by. And the beauty of podcasts too is you can you know okay, I listen to forty five minutes now, I'll listen to the rest later. It's like a book, you know, you put it down and you can get back to it again. Another great thing about a downloadable show as opposed to one that you have to watch only that hour. So. Uh, since there isn't anybody lined up for a question, I'd like to make mention of a couple of people that aren't here. Uh, I was actually going to ask that. Oh, yeah, cool. Well, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> if any of you have recommendations of people who aren't here at the show that you think people should check out? Around comics? They are yeah. great. Yeah. They're a really good show. Three really good guys. Absolutely. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. There's the uh, Los Comic Geekos. Of course, yeah. they're supposed yeah. to be yeah. here. Yeah. Um, Jose Brito, also known as Brito Man from Los Camequicos, he was going to come, but at the last minute, his work got tied up, and despite his plane reservations and hotel reservations, he was did not like it's like if you leave, you're fired. It was one of those deals, so he couldn't come because they're based in El Salvador. And uh, my wife and I had the pleasure of going down to hang out with those guys. They do they have four guys who do the show, um, and uh, we went down to El Salvador to visit them in March, and they're great guys. And if you if you speak Spanish or even slightly understand Spanish, listen to this show. I listen to it even though I understand like 20%. It is hilarious. It's probably funnier than all of our shows combined. It, they are a blast. So totally check out Los Comiquitos. Yeah, and there's uh, David from Making Comics. Yep. Um, David Arroyo. David Arroyo. 
who's from Puerto Rico, and he does his down from Puerto Rico. It's kind of neat. He's interviewed like at the local comic shop in Puerto Rico and some of the artists there. It's kind of cool. And Neil from Comicology? Oh, yeah. yeah. Neil. Neil, Neil was one of the originals. Neil was probably before Chris and I. And he was, yeah, exactly. I, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. it was Augie, and then Neil, and then myself, and then Comic Geek Speak. And going in that order. Right. Neil does this great thing where he'll podcast from his car on the way to work. Yeah. It's yeah. really great. He puts his little mic in some of those are my favorites. Yeah. There's Geek 4x4, which I don't know if you guys have heard about. That's Jam Campbell's. And I, I want to mention my absolute favorite podcast, sorry to the rest, but Bill Jordan's Golden Age of Comics. Yeah. And, uh, Great niche. And the comics cast with uh, Bruce Rosenberger. If you're into comic strips at all, comics cast is fantastic. Bruce is a really nice guy, and, uh, and, and, if you love, and he's like the only guy who really touches on comic strips on a regular basis, so... Oh yeah, Raging Bullets. Sean Sean Whelan. It's all DC all the time. That's all they talk about. Sean buys every single DC book, and and we'll discuss all of them. There's another cool cast which I listen to. It's it's nice and it's short. It's 30 minutes. It's actually not all comics. It's called uh, Everyone's a DJ. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it's great. And he plays all this great indie music. So I really like it because it's all indie music. He has these great little moments where he'll talk about comedy. You mean you mean most people are DJs? Yes, most people are DJs. Thank you. That's somebody like Mike Pfeiffer, who's from Detroit. Mike and I are good friends. It's great. Yes, I love that show. Don't you don't you guys have a resource? Is it, it Comic Geeks Week? Did you have a? Yeah, the uh, Comicology Neil created the Comic Podcast Network. Is that the name? Yes. I don't think everyone here is like right. a part of it. But and it's and the forums are at Comic Geek Speak because I think it's the most powerful forum. Is that yeah, why? yeah, we yeah. yeah. I'm not sure why, but it's a uh, it's a great resource for us to talk to each other. I was great about sending emails to other people until I was told, you know, just stick with the forum. Yeah, right. yeah, we have we host. If you listen to to any of the shows and you want to discuss them, we have our forum. But then on our website, we have the forums for like twelve or thirteen other comic podcasts. So you can register once and then post on all the different forums. You don't have to go to like 17 different websites to post. So it really helps build the community because everybody comes to one place and just participates all together. And it makes it easier on the listeners, I think. So comicgeekspeak.com slash forums, right? Yeah. yeah. And I'm a part of the, the community, but we've had our forums since we started it. Yeah. Oh, one. So it's like you got to keep that going. I, you know, honestly, I'm so – and Brian asked me if I wanted to join. I, seriously, man, I truly appreciated that. I, I don't have a forum just because I, if anyone wants to ask me a question, they can always email me and stuff. But like forums, they just kind of breed a certain troll level and stuff. And I've seen it. At, I've seen it at Scott's site. I've seen it. At, I've seen it at every site. And I don't have a troll. And, well, and, and we have a no troll policy. We have no bridges at all, so there are no trolls. <laughs> You know, it's my, we have Sherpas. Bendis' yeah. site is a perfect example. So that's a, so like, and that's the thing. I think it's really cool that they do this. I, I am not part of the the uh, the combine, but uh, I, I do support it. And honestly, I truly like these guys. And, and I always say, and I and I go to the the Geek Forum all the time, and I go to Fanboys Forum as well. Join the union. So I know exactly, man. I'm a scab. I know I'm a scab. <laughs> Well, I don't have a forum either, and one of the reasons is I can't possibly imagine that people would have enough things to say to each other about my show on yeah. the forum. It's like, it seems a little ridiculous, but the other reason is that I get attacked enough on everybody else's forums, I don't need to have a forum. <laughs> 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 it's true. <laughs> Another question over here? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, Lynn, Lynn David on the forums. 
I was just wondering Troll. Is this panel going to be broadcast as a podcast? Is that recording us? Cool. They're recording it. iFanboy.com. Oh, that's great. Good. You haven't talked to my manager. We'll share it. We were actually supposed to be recording it directly, but we didn't quite have the necessary technology. My arm is dying. So you better all appreciate it. The scabs can, like, download it, too? Yeah, no. No, we're going to probably, not tonight, because i got to fly back to New York, but tomorrow I'll probably output it. And then send it to everybody on the panel if they want to post yeah. it or whatever. Oh, that's great. We'll have a link on our site as well. So, yeah, we'll, we'll share it. We're making like a mega cast that everyone simultaneously punts. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Overwhelm the world. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Just a little while you're here. Oh, my arm. Oh, wait. That's a good point. That's a good point. One thing I want to remind everybody we, as part of as, as the comic group up here, uh, we are getting together and doing a comics podcast variety show where we're all going to be talking about talking apes and monkeys and everything coming up, and that's hosted with uh, Bruce Rosenberger, so that, look for that soon. We're all going to announce that. It's probably in the next two weeks or so. We're all going to put that up. It's supposed to be done in a week. Yeah. Besides the evil iTunes, what do you recommend for... Well, you know, no, it's Apple, man. I understand. You want the man to be like controlling well, your podcast. Yeah, iPodder was like the big program. iPodder, and it's, I guess, it's, yeah, it's the, it's the lemon now, but they change it. Oh, okay. But if you search for iPodder or go to iPodder.com, I guess it'll redirect you to whatever it's called now. On, on our site, when we post a new one, then we have a list of all the links to the different services besides iTunes as well. And I'm sure most of us can download them directly from our site. Yeah, you don't even need a program. Yeah, yeah there's subscribe and helps. Audio. Audio is good. Pod, podcast, podcast Alley, Podcast Pickle, Podnova. Yahoo has one. There's millions. Yeah, yeah. Yahoo started one called Podcast.net. They like run that search engine, and they pretty much post everybody. I think there might be a Google Podcast I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. But that's kind of like iTunes. That's the man. So don't don't support the man. Got a question at the microphone back here? Okay, guys. For all those people out here who are stupid, could you like on your forums at some point like help us out in starting our own so that we can like overwhelm them and they can't control us? So we can say this is our voice too. Okay, we want to talk, we want to have our iPod. But make it simple. Easy as pie. It's the easiest yeah. thing in the world. If you record anything, if you have an MP3, if you can turn your voice or anything you want into an MP3, then you just get a podcast service, service right? I know I Libsyn. 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 I love Libsyn, but it is great. Uh, Dream host. You should get on Libsyn. I use Speedburner. And a lot of there are, that's the thing, guys like Libsyn, Feedburner, they all they all explain how to do it and everything. Libsyn, L Y B L I B S Y N. That's why Yeah, liberated syndication. Yeah, it's like five bucks a month starting out, and it's unlimited downloads. You can have a hundred million people download your show, and it'll still only cost you five bucks a month. It doesn't matter. That's cool. Feedburner is free, but it is it is limited. But I have never reached my limit yet. Feedburner. But but yeah, five bucks. I mean, that, if it's unlimited, five bucks. That's a deal. I like. And and, and, and anybody can download uh, Audacity. It's a free audio editing program that works yes. really well. Yeah, for, stuff for you can do with it. And if you, if you have any specific questions, just write anybody here on the panel. We'll help you out. It's pretty accessible. Or Google what is podcasting because that's what I did. And there's wonderful online tutorials that are very specific and they'll help you out and really useful. 
And also now the flash technology uh, they're making available too that you don't even have to download it. You just want to listen to it on the site. A lot of, I know the guys are employing that as well to have like an immediate stream. Kind of the way YouTube works. You know, so, so there's, you know, other advances as well that are reasonably priced and I'm certainly going to, in the next couple of months, have that kind of service available on my site. So you want to have to download it if you just want to listen to it. Question? I don't really have a good question, but that's a good answer. Well, I have a 60 gig iPod, and you know we went we went from like last year when I started listening to Comic Geek Speak, we had the top 15 podcasts or whatever, and then they were all like indie podcasts, and nobody, you know, they were just like the people on this panel and the top 10 of iTunes. And then, like, now this year, everybody's ESPN, CBS, and, and whatnot. And now, you know, all those people have been pushed into oblivion. And then in that 60-gig iPod, I have, like, 150 or whatever, you know, some odd huge number of just podcasts that I have on my thing. And they get lost. And I think that what Scott said that was something that I had never even thought of about these long podcasts and stuff like that to think about is that you are pushing people out of... It's kind of like hospice. I want everyone to, kind of, to, to listen to as many podcasts as possible. I mean, I love the, the ones that are over here are very, very short. And they're, they're awesome. And then you have the long ones that I listen Because 10 hour days, I can listen to them all. It doesn't matter. But recognizing what you do well and doing it often is, is always going to be a key to keeping fan bases. and. You know, Suburb Flub is something I, you know, if you did Suburb Flub for like an hour, I, I could listen to that. I think we'll do that. That's all of us. All of us doing Suburb Flub. So basically, you're, you're, just, you're just asking if they consider that when they're... Or, yeah, just pay attention to... I, I, I mean, we have forums, and they can use the forums for, you know, Neil Adams versus Steve Root instead of, hey, what do you guys like? To the death. Which, which ones, what do you like about our shows? You know what I mean? And get actual feedback from the fans, and I guess that's more of a comment than a question. But when I started my podcast originally, you know, it was a podcast that was about you know, five or six months old, and there were a lot of people who were trying to do Adam Curry's podcast, which is a daily one-hour rambling technique. And I remember hearing Adam Curry say specifically, "What podcasting needs right now is more, you know, short, five, ten, fifteen-minute shows about varying topics." So a lot of the reasons why my podcast is as short as it is is because I was filling that niche at the time, and it just it stuck, and that's why I stuck through all along. Yeah, we've got uh, just, a, just a couple minutes here. The last thing I wanted to kind of uh, ask you guys while I've got you here is, could, could you kind of go down the row, and if you've got something that you want to just briefly sort of mention coming up, could you give a shout out to the mic and let, let everybody know? Promote yourself. Okay. Uh, Pipeline Podcast is available at conflictresources.com or cbr.cc, of course. And uh, it'll be updated every Tuesday. I just have to wait till this conference comes out. And that's it. <laughs> Going to go with the full scale radio. Can you do our intros? <laughs> I'll be more than happy. Whatever you'd like, sir. Uh, <laughs> Alex, look, John, he's a radio professional. Uh, Collective Comics Library can be found at collectivecomicslibrary.blogspot.com. I know that's a mouthful. Um, coming up on my show, uh, it's funny because on my show I'm always six to eight months behind because trade paperbacks and whatnot. But I'm always I'm looking forward to uh, talking about the new EC archives coming up, which was announced two weeks ago, and also the new Absolute Sandman. So look for that. Uh, my website is wordballoon.com. W-O-R-D-B-A-L-L-O-O-N. 
And uh, like I said, I got the magazine, and please, you know, af afterwards come by and I'll, I'll hand them out. If we don't have them, they're at the Century Guild booth. Um, before I came to San Diego, I just posted an interview with Howard Chaikin. He was great, and I was so pleased that he was in a good mood, which is rare. And that's <laughs> that's really good. And uh, I've, I've made a lot of love connections, obviously, this weekend with, with current and, and uh, past creators, and really looking forward to it. I have a great set of uh, creators coming up, and uh, I'll, I'll try and keep the shows down to an hour and, and keep them brief. Uh, Comic News Insider will located at cni.lipson.com and Jimmy will hand out lovely postcards if you want to pick one out. Um, we have uh, next upcoming thing I guess is tons of interviews that we had from the Comic Con including Rosario Dawson, uh, Joss Whedon, John Cassidy, yada yada yada, lots of people. I read comics, it's at iReadComics.blogspot.com and I have to announce that to put our money where our mouth is, um, the Lincoln Heights Literary Society, in conjunction with me, have decided to offer um, podcasting grants to women who want to podcast about comics. Oh. <laughs> information at my place at iReadComics.blogspot.com. We have cards that we're putting down at the end, or you can contact me directly about it. There's going to be three grants to three women who want to do comics podcasts. You get 100 meg megabytes of web storage space and advice from me on how to do it. That's awesome. FanboyRadio.com. We've got Greg. Uh, we've got the Wednesday show is live call-in show all about the con. We're going to re be reporting. We want to hear your feedback from the con. Uh, people, uh, people that work at the convention will be listening, and it's going to be kind of like a, a free form. They have that feedback panels. This is going to be something that they will be listening to closely on Wednesday, Sunday. Greg Rucka. We got Patton Oswalt the Sunday after that. Uh, we've got a lot of cool things coming up, including the biggest comic book writer out today, coming out very soon. ComicGeeksBeat.com, new humongous episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. <laughs> iFanboy.com, we put up a show on the pick of the week every Sunday night. Uh, you can call 888-FANBOYS if you want to ask us questions we read on the show, or you can write to contact.fanboy.com. We have stickers if you want them. IndieSpinnerRack.com Subscribe to us on iTunes uh, We have a lot of great interviews coming up We've been hunting for Dave Sim Calling all the Sims around the world And we think we may find him soon And uh, we have a grant for Sherpas In case anyone wants to <laughs> That's enough Sherpa jokes Thank you very much guys. Thank you